see her, no magical change, no angels appearing, no dreams to arrange. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 83 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are watching The Great Muppet Caper. That is right. The Great Muppet Caper. We are continuing. I, I say this every time. It's always the same wording. I say we are continuing our journey through X franchise. The, <laughs> the X coverage. being the Muppets. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we are only watching the Henson-related ones. We will not be watching the new ones unless, who knows, maybe at the end of this journey, we f we fucking love the Muppets and we want to just keep chugging along. Um, before we get into our conversation on The Great Muppet Caper, Thomas, will you read for us the IMDb synopsis? Yeah, absolutely. The Great Muppet Caper, 1981, rated G, directed by Jim Henson. Kermit the Frog, the Great Gonzo, and Fozzie Bear are reporters who travel to Britain to interview a rich victim of jewel thieves and help her along with her security a secretary, Miss Piggy. <laughs> Sorry. All good. Nominated for one Oscar, apparently, is what I'm seeing on IMDb. Uh, for Best Original Song. <laughs> okay. The First Time It Happens. Which one was that? Um, it's like their big number... Um, with everyone in suits and everything, this is where Jim Henson actually makes his cameo. Oh, he's like, okay. and he's like, kind of. They all go to like this really fancy ball, and they kind of hug yeah. It's nice. It's a, it's a really sweet number. I was gonna say, like, I'm not crazy about the songs in this movie, but that's one of the highlights of it. But, yeah, um, I feel like the the songs in this one aren't quite as strong as the last one. But um, yeah, how about you? How about you start us off? What if, what did you think of the Great Muppet Caper? Well, this is one I honestly didn't really know existed. This is like a movie where like I know about um, the, uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, and I knew about Muppets Treasure Island, but I was not really aware of The Great Muppet Caper. And this is actually one of the few movies that Jim Henson actually directed in his career, which I think is really fascinating because, yeah, we have this is one of the first one, then we have The Dark Crystal, which came out in 1982, and then um, Labyrinth, which came out a few years later. And so I think this is really interesting because this one, it feels like a little out of place, a little strange as far as like Muppet legacy. Like this is one where I think a lot of fans really like it. Uh, your wife, Emily, a frequent guest of the show, has mentioned that this was the one that she sort of grew up with in her, in her childhood and she likes this one a lot. And I, I don't know, I, I, I really think this one is great for a lot of reasons, but it's... It's, it's strange. It's not perfect. It is a little, too, I think it's a little too meta as sometimes where it gets a little lazy, which is kind of strange. Um, like the songs aren't that great, but there's so much good stuff in this movie. It's hard to just set it aside. Like it's no sophomore, it's no sophomore slump. I'll say that. It's not, it's not as great as the first one, but it is certainly like it's doing its own weird thing. Like there's so many weird jokes in this movie that are just like the Fozzie and Kermit like being twin brothers and like then their dad is such a great gag and like I love like the Kermit That's my favorite uh, joke in the movie, yeah. Yeah, like the Kermit uh shadow continuing to dance after Kermit stops dancing and one gag is really funny. And so there's a lot of really good, nice little beats like that. I love like the 
Peter Falk cameo where he just shows up. Very weird. Yeah. (laughs) I just love when this movie gets fucking weird. And uh, this movie sort of made me a Gonzo fan, which I I really appreciate because he's just like, he he has a really lot of good jokes. And so I I, I enjoyed this one, but yeah, it is strange. Not like perfect, but like it is certainly like, I I don't say almost like a hidden gem kind of. (laughs) What did you think? Um, I was hoping I would enjoy this one more because. When I watched the first movie, I felt like what was kind of missing there was this strong through line. Um, it's kind of just like, it's a road movie, like, the Muppets are trying to make a movie. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's all it is. They're trying to get to Hollywood. Um, and this one, it's like, okay, well, you know, there's a jewel thief, and they're reporters, and they're, yeah. try- they're trying to, like, get this scoop. And so it feels like there's more... There might be more stakes involved that'll make it like more compelling, more like something I could sink my teeth into. Absolutely, um, yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't like. I feel like the cameos in this movie aren't as good. I feel like the songs aren't as good. Um, I, I, some like I like I said, I love that identical twins joke. Um, so I think yeah. a lot of the humor here is just as strong. Um, <laughs> they like try and go. I like that in the first movie, there's a bike riding scene with Kermit, and this one, they're just like, what if all the Muppets rode bikes? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a... it's much sweeter. It's more of like, oh yeah, we're all just gonna just really flex on the Muppet, c- c- the capabilities of having them yeah, on the screen. they really the tried time. to, like, up, I, ca- I kind of guess, uh, up the stakes with what they could do with the Muppets. Um, yeah, yeah. That, and also Miss Piggy's synchronized swimming scene. Like, they, yeah. made, a, they made a Muppet swim. <laughs> that, like are you fucking kidding me like this there is... is some nightmare fuel where we do get like multiple full body miss piggies which yeah. is really riding a motorcycle <laughs> no, uh... i was not okay with that that was really strange so they definitely tried to like up the ante in an interesting way there uh but i don't i think it's kind of on par with the previous one i wouldn't say it's much better or much worse despite uh yeah. you know me not liking the songs and the cameos as much uh, there's a John Cleese cameo in here, which is, that scene is very strange. <laughs> it yeah, feels yeah. very surreal. Um, yeah, I love that. I love their conversation. <laughs> the wife is like, I haven't left for the house in 12 years. It's like, well, the weather's been really bad. It's just like, yeah. they're having like this really posh, goes on, British, dry conversation. It goes on for so long. Like, it's a shame. Like, I wish Jim Henson directed more because I feel like he has a very interesting style. Um, yeah. I know Jim Henson, he considered himself uh, an experimental filmmaker before he started making these movies. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think he definitely has an interesting style. His interesting comedic sensibilities. But um, do, you, do you think the name Caper, do you think that is like a misnomer? Do you think that is like an incorrect way to describe this movie? Because well, I think the, the Caper aspect comes very late into it. Yeah, uh, definitely. I feel like... Um, yeah, you feel like it's going to be a heist movie from beginning to end. And the heist doesn't yeah. come until pretty late. Uh, I well, heard... well, well, to be fair, there, like, there is the villain. He like does like his thing in the opening number. So he like, kind of is... But is that a Muppet the... caper? <laughs> no, yeah, it's more like the villain is doing his thing. But then, yeah, by the time the Muppets get involved to foil that caper, yeah. it's, it's not quite There exactly is a caper. That. There is Muppets. Uh, is Muppet uh, an adjective for the caper? I don't know. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, I would say so, yes, because they, they we get some notable Muppet things. We get our classic Muppet tableau towards the end, and we also get some sort of big gag that revolves around, uh, like, a, a pun. Like, the whole thing about the baseball 
the baseball diamond literally being being tossed around. With, uh, I, 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 was, I was very I was very happy with that one. It's like oh yeah, it's like it's the baseball diamond, and it ends with them just like all tossing this priceless jewel around each other. It's, it's really slapstick. Yeah, I think I appreciate the slapstick stuff in this movie more than the actual jokes. Like them just getting thrown out of the airplane. Yeah. Always, <laughs> then, always a yeah. fan seeing puppets get thrown. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Because yeah, it's it's fun. They're they're Muppets. They can handle it. They're and they just laugh it off. They just get thrown into the water. They like plop down. And then later, when they're inside, like the the double decker bus, and they get tossed out. It's like, yeah, it's just like, crash into the ground. The double decker bus is interesting because it feels like they were. It doesn't. I, I don't know how closed these roads were. I don't know if everyone who's <laughs> in these scenes is aware that a movie's being shot. I feel like it'd be a very fun thing to see a, a Muppet bus go by uh, with a yeah. band performing in it. You know, I actually had a really uh, funny high thought while watching this because you know how there's like the jackass like 2.5s or like 3.5 where it's like oh it's like a behind the scenes movie where extra it's like extra scenes from the movie but also like behind the scenes like just interviews with the cast. I thought that would be like a perfect thing for the Muppets to do like a Muppets 2.5 where it's like they're being meta, making fun of like the movie that they just shot with extra scenes and then also commentating. I think that would be like perfect for what the Muppets they could, could do, do like a mystery oh what they should do is they got to get the the two old guys who make fun of everything yeah. have them watching the, the movie mystery science theater 3000 style um let me move yeah. my computer real quick because i'm getting work messages um for sure but yeah but this movie gets i think it gets meta in ways where i think it's kind of lazy i really am a champion of the screenplay joke in the first one but i think here there's a few times where it, like in the beginning, Diana Rigg, who's great, she has like a line where she's just like, "I'm just doing an exposition dump because that's just what you do." Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah, and then later on in the movie, um, I forget what what is our our guy's name. Um, he's he's really great, so I want to make sure I get his name right. Um, the villain. So, uh, yeah. Charles Grodin. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Charles Grodin, he has a line towards the end where he's like, "I'm a villain, and this is what we do. We sort of get monologues." And so, like, I think his his number towards the middle is like, it's a little shaky too. It's like, I, rest in peace with this guy. I think he's, I think he's a really great addition, but I think, um, I don't know. Like, his number is a little <laughs> too long, and I think that little joke towards the end is a little like, I don't know. It, it just, I think he's great in this movie. I think he he fits well, but I don't know. Just like some of the, just the jokes aren't as funny. Yeah, I was gonna ask like what you thought of Charles Grodin. Um, I think he's I think he's great. I think he's like just silly enough. Like when he's falling in love with Miss Piggy, like I think he's he's selling it like to the point where it's just like I I really appreciate the reversal too. Or in the first one, Miss Piggy is falling in love with Kermit, and we have this extended sequence where she's falling for him, and it's like this song and like these great shots of them all dressed up. And here it's like the reverse where Miss Piggy sort of commandeers this party and even diana riggs like that's my secretary out there like dancing, yeah. like, dancing. she's getting just like paraded around and like this whole synchronized swimming thing is just great and then yeah when charles Grodin's like falling for her and he gets like the really cheesy thing with like she's singing and his like uh like superimposed shot i love that yeah. yeah and like <laughs> we hear up. yeah his operatic voice versus just kermit the frog's normal voice. yeah yeah it's just so great it's just really heightened and like yeah it's just it I don't know. I just, he sells it really well, but yeah, I think some of his jokes sort of like are just don't quite hit. But I think he's great. I yeah. want to just—that's my full point—is he's great in this. Yeah, I feel like he's making. I feel like his performance is a little weird, um, but he's making these like he's making 
actor choices <laughs> and he's like committing <laughs> to these choices yeah. in a way where I feel like he's taking this job very seriously. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm in a Muppet movie. All right, whatever. I walk in and like do my thing. But yeah. it's like there, there feels like there's a level of commitment here uh, that really makes me respect <laughs> uh, what he's doing. Yeah, I'm a fan of the the sequence towards the end when we're having this cutting back and forth between the human villain crew and the Muppets crew as they're planning to like what they're doing with this heist and the villain crew, yeah. they're like going through like their equipment. They're like, yeah, like uh, the, the glass cutter and like this dart gun and the Muppets are like, yeah, slingshot. Yeah, just it's just so absurd. And I, I think I re- just really appreciate just that contrast. But yeah, it's, it's weird because the meta humor, I think it, doesn't really it's not as effective when it's just uh too consistent when it's everywhere i will say my other aside from the identical twin joke which i love and one of the reasons i love it is because it feels like it feels like such a solid joke that it could just like go into any movie like it doesn't feel like it has to be exclusive here like this is if you're committing to this bit and like having other characters mistake them because they truly do believe that they're identical twins. Yeah. Like it works so fucking well. Uh, and with the only difference being that like Fozzie has a hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that works really well. But my other favorite joke is like it's a solid gag when Miss Piggy is in jail and her lawyer comes to visit, her lawyer being Kermit the Frog in disguise, and he's yeah. wearing a mustache. <laughs> And then they kiss each other against the glass window, and there is a transfer of the mustache through the glass. Yeah. Um, like, there are these little gags where it feels like, yeah, it. I, I said it in the last episode, it feels like it is in the vein of the Marx Brothers. Um, yeah. And that sort of comedy, I feel like, is kind of missing nowadays. Which makes me curious to watch these newer ones. I know we said we weren't going to do it. But, like, I I am curious to know, how are they trying to translate this for contemporary audiences? Yeah, I feel like it could work really well. Like, one thing that actually just came out today was the trailer for the new, like, Chippendale movie, which I think it it plays into that similar Roger Rabbit kind of humor. Where it's like (laughs) I thought Chippendale's, like, like Chippendale dancers or something. Yeah, no. No, (laughs) that's literally one of the first jokes that appears in that trailer. It's like, the first thing you think of Chippendale is that. It's it's, you're spot on to the point where it's, it's just so appropriate and i think yeah like that sort of comedy is like really a a big thing and i i don't know i i really think it could be funny like jason siegel is uh he's like he's not my favorite but i think he could work well with you know how i got that job right yeah so and did you see forgetting sarah marshall yeah yeah so he plays a puppeteer in that movie gosh and he writes a puppet musical and then i guess producers like saw that and they were like we should give this guy the muffins that's awesome uh, which is rad yeah um also i just want to mention going back to the whole bear frog thing uh later in the peter falk around that cameo there's a moment right before where it looks a father and daughter going to the park and the daughter's like look dad it's a bear and he's like no christine bears don't wear it's like no like you know, he literally says no christine that's a frog bears wear hats yeah yeah you'd even like get those two mixed up it's just so appropriate and yeah the fact that there's even a photo of their father which is like a hybrid yeah. bear frog thing it's this just weird freak puppet <laughs> yeah it's just so many really great things but yeah despite that i feel, I feel like it's still like has a, a like it's missing something to make it really pop. I think, like, yeah, I think exemplary. If, 
I think if they had more compelling through lines rather than just using a plot as an excuse for these sort of like sketches or like gags, these movies might work a little better. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never feel like swept up in the adventure, you know. I think yeah. I want. I think I want. I think I want that. Even yeah, even though there's like a lot of really solid jokes, yeah, it does sort of lack that kind of adventurous feeling. So by the time yeah, there's like this really epic. Uh, scene where Miss Piggy quite literally breaks out of prison. She bends the bars and escapes out of prison and like hijack, like not hijack. She's gifted. She's Deus Ex Machina, uh, like a motorcycle, and is doing this epic journey back to the Muppets. It's kind of just like this is just like super random, but like it's it's funny. But yeah, it, like it's kind of just missing that sort of like actual connective tissue to yeah. give you like oh, it's gags building on gags. It it has that element, but not quite as connected. Because I think if you have like gags building on gags, it can sort of feel like. Like, have you ever seen a comedian who is a really good one-liner comedian? Like, Stephen Wright or, like, yeah, Todd Berry? Um, like, listening... Or Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Like, listening to, like, a whole hour of a comedian just doing one-liners gets exhausting. Um, and, like, you're kind of, yeah. like, you're kind of yearning for, I wish this guy would just tell me a story with some jokes in it. Uh, and I think... Yeah, I think if your if if your plot is only functioning as a way to string together gags and jokes, uh, it it it's kind of hard to maintain the energy. Um, you need something really like driving that. Uh, some sort of some, give me some tension. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think I saw some comments online mentioning that this is sort of more similar to the show, where there is like kind of random vignettes, and I feel yeah. like it goes with it being set in London and sort of being uh, more akin to just that comedy that where like sort of it all started and yeah it's interesting this is uh, I don't know I, I think this is a, a good Muppet movie but yeah it, like just knowing the potential of what they can do and after seeing the first one it, it feels weird to sort of see them kind of like in this weird middle ground right like we, we know that they get so much broader and so the, we with that knowledge is kind of like okay well what are you guys kind of doing with this do we have much else to say on this movie, or? Yeah, there's okay. uh, actually a few things. There's two things. I, I really love the line where there's a few times where, like, Kermit has to, like, describe why he likes Miss Piggy. And one of them, he's, she has nice, sturdy legs, which I was like, yes, I appreciate that those qualities in a woman. I think that's <laughs> good qualities to look for in a man. No, no offense to the women out there with less than sturdy legs? Without, but I think we all, I think we should also give shout-outs to... You're all queens? <laughs> yeah, Shout out to the the sturdy the sturdy women though, um, and then also um, the I forget the name of the bird Muppet, but also there's a moment in the first one where the like where Fozzie does this whole like God bless America thing, and here the bird Muppet shows up and he's like, oh, I'm proud to be an American, and then like yeah, that's his I only mean, line oh, in the yeah. movie. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because I was like, is Jim Henson just like super patriotic? And it's like, I, is that just like a thing about him that he's just like really really just proud to be an american and those lines are sort of fine well, because in the previous movie, movie we had a confederate flag <laughs> yeah like and i th that might be more like i don't know if that's more of just like from just the era being just way more loose about it and yeah where and it shooting was like, it. yeah it was a location just, thing yeah it's just like oh we're we just need extras we're out here you know we we just need people on camera <laughs> yeah what feels appropriate set design for the location yeah but but for this it's just like okay like you have a, literally you have a, a muppet coming in and saying this specifically so i just thought that that was really interesting yeah 
Um, but yeah, before we move away from the, the Muppet Caper, I want to mention that uh, this weekend I went to the Contemporary Jewish Museum in San Francisco, where they actually have an exhibit for Jim Henson. Oh, and I walked in and I got to see Kermit the Frog in a glass case. And it is a trip because That's it's rad. like, this is an icon. I am I am standing beside an icon right now. Um, yeah, that's surreal. But yeah, it was really cool, like, seeing that, like I said earlier, like, Jim Henson thought of himself as an experimental filmmaker. Um, there were, like, these sketches of a, a nightclub he wanted to open, and he had done this, like, geometric sculpture that was supposed to hang on a wall, and he was going to have two projectors above it, um, each projecting, like, these these films that he had created, and they would hit some parts of this sculpture, um, like one projector would hit some parts of the sculpture, the other projector would hit other parts. Sometimes, okay, okay. sometimes parts of the sculpture would uh, have both projections on them. Some parts of the sculpture would like the projections would be in shadow. So it was like this really interesting like play with light. Um, That's he, right. he he made this piece called Time Piece that they showed an ex excerpt from where he's kind of just playing with um, like a little bit of match on action, but. Um, I don't know. It's kind of just like he's conveying these sort of absurd ideas and like editing them together in a way where it doesn't make sense image from image, but it kind of makes sense theme from theme. <laughs> okay. uh, it's it's interesting, but um, yeah, I can dig that. That's really cool. Yeah, they had uh, Jareth's outfit from uh the labyrinth and like the dress that jennifer connelly wears during the ballroom scene um they had uh i feel like they had a ses oh yeah they had bert and ernie there <laughs> um it was really cool and it was like 16 bucks if you have that's the time awesome. i recommend going and checking it out um but yeah really that's cool. sweet you know that actually makes me think about um mad god and phil tippett i feel like rest in peace jim henson but i feel like if he was still alive he'd be like be kind of on that same like weird like level of like okay we kind of like in your like master class level when you're just yeah. like at this point of your career where you're just like just do whatever you want so i feel like we have three jim henson three jim henson movies and like uh, like the tv show and everything but i feel like yeah we like missed out on like a lifetime of like just insane visually driven things well it's interesting because it's like so there was a quote from someone who worked with him saying that working with jim henson was like he was the captain of a ship who had discovered a fifth direction you could go on the compass. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. Yeah, and that. yeah, and it's interesting because it, you think about like a Hollywood production. They need puppets. Who are they going to go to? They're going to go yeah. to the <laughs> like the Muppets. They're going to go to Henson. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's not many people who created a living uh, to the same degree that he did puppeteering and uh, created a business puppeteering. Um, I don't know. And I kind of wish, like, he got to explore more of his experimental stuff instead of just, like, you know, having this be his main thing. Uh, because it was really interesting. Um, yeah. But it, it's a pretty special career. You know, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's one of those, like, people where it's, like, it's, it's even hard to, like, really talk about it and do it do him justice because there's just, like, so much work there. But, like, yeah, within this concentrated period of time. 
So yeah, we have like an Oscar the Grouch cameo in this. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, fucking Sesame Street and like, fucking like it just like this, all this, this stuff this, I grew up with. Yeah, this shit just balloons. Like it just gets so much bigger once you yeah. start to zoom out a little bit. Yeah, and that cameo made me so happy because I was just like, I wasn't like, I was like, oh cool, like Miss Piggy's in like in this situation with this other character, who, like a human character who's clearly someone like another cameo that's going over my head as a 30 as a 31 year old person watching this in 2022 i'm just like i know that's someone important but he doesn't mean anything to me but yeah when he gets kicked out of the truck and then he lands with the pile yeah. of trash and then oscar the grouch shows up I'm like, like oh absolutely yeah. means something to me like, <laughs> like hell yeah like i'm, I'm yeah. with you like it's yeah it's, it's good time uh, and then thinking about like also like frank oz like building up the career of Frank Oz who went on to direct like live action stuff and is also like yeah. an actor and I don't know puppeteering Miss Piggy and like yeah. thinking about like it is weird I remember um gosh what's that movie called I want to say it's the score uh it's the movie Frank Oz directed with Edward Norton Robert De Niro and fuck I feel stupid for not remembering mm. the name right now that sounds like a deep cut don't feel stupid about that no 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 because it's like one of the biggest marlon brando i was like that's like that's not a name you should forget uh but anyways like like, deeply iconic movie it's not um but um like there was this sort of idea in hollywood that like edward norton was going to be like the next like robert de niro marlon brando he's going to be like the next great actor sort of thing and so frank oz directed this movie this heist movie starring uh all three of them and Marlon Brando would give Frank Oz shit on set and call him Miss Piggy. And, like, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, Robert De Niro kind of had to, like, sneak... Like, Frank Oz had to, like, give Robert De Niro direction to give to Marlon Brando. He had to, like, sneak it through Robert De Niro to give to Mar- Marlon Brando. That's um, really funny. But, and so I was thinking about that. It's like, man, the disrespect this guy got for puppeteering Miss Piggy. Uh, but at the same time... Like, how many fucking people make a huge career in Hollywood from puppeteering? <laughs> like, yeah, what no, he seriously. did was incredible. Uh, he was yeah. Yoda. Um, no, seriously. That's pretty damn iconic. Yeah, and then he's also a director and an actor. Like, and he, and like the performance that he gives with these puppets, like, thinking about this movie that we just watched, um, like, you, you can see when, like, Miss Piggy, her eyes don't change. <laughs> but you can yeah. see when she is like shy you can see when she is frustrated <laughs> you can Making see a grand yeah. entrance you can see or, when yeah. she is flirtatious like you can see all of this stuff and it, when she's stressed out while <laughs> scaling a building <laughs> yeah it is incredible that they're able to convey all of this stuff through a puppet yeah yeah that's 100 percent. i agree with that and i i was sort of scrolling through reddit and reading sort of comments and some uh opinions that were expressed were like Disney should really tap on his shoulder and be like, hey, like, you're still around Frank Oz. We could really help you use you, like, <laughs> yeah, to be, like, like, be a part of this in some legacy way because I you mean, guys are very much into that. He came like, back for Last Jedi thing. um, as Yoda. That's sweet. And then, uh, and then Ryan Johnson worked with him again on um, Knives Out as just, like, a normal actor, <laughs> not as a puppeteer. But... That's cool, cool. Uh, anything else on the Muppet Caper before we transition into what have you been watching lately? Which I know we both watched the same movie, so I feel like this is just going to be a kind of a, a double movie episode. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, let's get into it. All right. So we both watched The Northman. <laughs> yeah, The Northman. Uh, should we? We should. Might as well just read the IMDb synopsis and treat this as like another. Uh, 
episode, kind of. We got a dual episode, Great Muppet Caper and The Northman. Double feature. <laughs> Thomas, do you want to read the IMDb synopsis for The Northman? I don't have it pulled up, but I'm going to quickly <laughs> type it in. All right, The Northman by Robert Eggers from Visionary Director... <laughs> From visionary director Robert Eggers come the Northmen, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. So, yeah. Thomas, what would you think of the Northmen? Uh, that was pretty sweet. Honestly, I thought this movie was pretty visually breathtaking. Yeah, Robert Eggers is, like, one of those filmmakers that just, like, like, I, like he just he's very, very good at what he does and just, like, sort of taking us to these... Uh, these environments and really like like putting us in there in ways that like emphasize the details and the sounds and he really did that very well with the lighthouse and sort of the uh, aspect ratio and just like just the sounds and just like just the the atmosphere of that movie really helps drive what it is and helps elevate that very small story a very like a very simple story but that's done in a very like strange and abstract way of these two guys kind of like going crazy in the secluded place. And here we have a little bit of a bigger, like more of a sweeping uh, story dealing with like this kid growing up to being like this really gnarly Viking guy on this like tale of revenge. So it's like a traditional revenge story, but I don't know it's dealing with like, I don't know the, the scale just feels so much bigger and it just feels just like, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to describe. Cause yeah, it's like an epic movie that is like dealing with traditional themes, but it's, it's spun in a new way where, I don't know, we haven't seen, like, a really nice, gritty, I don't know, Viking movie yeah. like this. I don't, I, I don't know, I feel weird sort of talking about it, because, like, I saw it yesterday, and it was, like, I'm still sort of, like, processing it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's fucking weird. There's a lot of really, I, I love how when it gets weird and abstract, like, the family tree stuff, and, the like, the philosophy, or the, the prophecy of his whole family. But what do you think? Um, yeah, so I've seen it twice. <laughs> I saw it on Friday, and then... I, I I got a little high beforehand, which I don't usually nice. do. Um, yeah. But yeah, I got a little high, and then uh, I I walked out of theater just being like, "What a fucking movie! <laughs> like, what a what an experience that I just had." Um, then I was thinking to myself, you know, I got to see this in Dolby. So Sunday, <laughs> I, two days later, I went and saw it in Dolby uh, because I wanted to feel the sound and I wanted to <laughs> see like that deep contrast. Um, but yeah, this movie. Uh, like, it, it just shows you things that are a joy to see. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, okay, so the scene with all the berserkers around the fire, and, like, there's a scene in this movie where a man is chanting, and he's standing in front of a fire. We just see his back. He's silhouetted against this large fire, and he's got these horns. So you just see a man standing basically motionless with these horns while all these men in front of him uh in the background are holding shields and weapons and they're bashing their shields and they're chanting and they're all dancing around <laughs> and yeah. it's raining uh the, the ground is out of focus everything is a little bit out of focus and it gives it this feeling that this is like not something you should be seeing like someone like wandered through the woods and they happened <laughs> upon this 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 incident uh and they weren't able to focus like properly (laughs) um and it feels old it it feels i don't know like this movie is 
like like they say it's like the most historically accurate viking movie so it does feel like you are being pulled and dropped into another time at some points uh yeah it's re- it's this movie i like really enjoyed watching this i had a very surreal experience because i was also very stoned in the theater <laughs> while watching this and so i'm um, experiencing these things that are like really visceral but also like i mentioned on twitter like some of the people in the audience like weren't being affected by some of the things that i thought were pretty fucking extreme like sort of like towards the beginning like we have this great like moment where it's like your classic like revenge thing where like we have a a, a king and a, a, a prince and then the king's brother betrays him and so we have like a, a pretty like brutal moment where like yeah we like the son sees his dad be killed and he like runs off and then like then the whole fucking village gets taken over his, he gets sees his mom gets carried off screaming and he just like rides off on the boat just like chanting like his revenge mantra and he comes back and we see what he does when he's older and he's a part of these vikings yeah. and they just totally eviscerate a village yeah. gather all the women and children put them inside of a building and burn that building <clears throat> and so recently i was in south korea and i was literally physically inside of like huts that size and it was like these are very very small places and so like seeing that just felt fucking super real and just like hearing like the sound of just like all of them screaming which is like super intense i was like this is fucking alarming seeing like like the when he goes through the, the farm and just, like, starts, like, terrorizing the farm, essentially, like, the most gnarly part of the movie, where he's just like, I'm not going to kill him just yet. I just need to just, like, terrorize the farm for a yeah. little bit. That was and an just... interesting, <laughs> like, weird thing in that movie. Uh, but, go, but go on. I, I think but we're yeah, in, like, spoiler but, but, territory. But if, you've, yeah, if you know Hamlet, yeah. you know what the fucking movie is. So. Yeah. We are, yeah, sorry. It's sort of getting ahead to spoiler territory. But, yeah, at this point of the movie, it's, like, after he has basically committed to taking on full revenge of like his uncle he's like terrorizing his uncle's farm and there's a pro they're, they're like he does some a few things like he basically makes like a like a i don't even know how to describe it he takes a bunch of bodies and makes like a horse yeah. out of the bodies. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up and that, that was the first i was like holy shit like that's pretty fucked up and the camera and then, doesn't linger on it too yeah, yeah so it's one of those things where it's like wait, wait, wait what the fuck was that <laughs> Yeah, and so then the farm reacts. They're like, okay, so we're going to sac- make a sacrifice to sort of make the gods and sort of t- appease the gods. And so they're in the process of sacrificing but a virgin. When, okay, so when they're trying to figure out who did this, there's this line that I love, <laughs> yeah. which is like, was it the Christians? They worship <laughs> yeah. a god who is a corpse nailed to a tree. <laughs> yes, it's a good reasoning. It's like, yeah, hey, I believe that. But yeah, they're like sacrificing this woman, and then like he comes in and like takes a guard and guts him, and like he's hanging over, and it's just like this is just really barbaric imagery. And I think it's uh, like it's one of those things where it's like this is supposed to be the fun part, quote unquote, where we're like enjoying him getting his revenge. But I don't know, the, just the imagery is just so extreme, and so it was challenging my ability to really enjoy it because I'm like, yeah, like these guys are literally pillagers and rapists like these guys are they come through and they take they take and they kill and so we're not supposed to be really like enjoying this but like when he's got when they're like fucking forging the sword and putting like the nordic like words into it it's like this shit is fucking cool it's like it's like it's like like it's so fucking yeah like that's the best way to describe it like him like like robert eggers robert eggers and panos cosmatos the director of mandy like bringing metal to cinema in a way that is fucking gnarly and rad like i am i am here for it um listeners if you have not seen the northman go to a dolby theater if you have an amc a list hey it's already covered you can you don't have to pay extra for dolby just go in there see the fucking movie the sound is incredible just people yelling and screaming there's so much 
uh, so much drums in the score. Some really fantastic female performances. Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman is incredible in this movie. Bjork. (laughs) Bjork is herself in this movie. Come on now. (laughs) Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. I've heard some people say that they weren't totally happy with Anya Taylor-Joy. They thought she was miscast. I thought she was fine. I don't really understand the complaints. Yeah, she had like the funniest line of the movie when he like puts the sword to her neck. Like, oh, it's like now you're not like now you're not afraid of the the blood of a woman. And I'm just like, I was like, I'm the only one in the theater laughing at this shit. Like, this is great. I was very disappointed in Jim, Joe, and Bob, who I was sitting next to in the Martinez. I I think I just need to see this in Oakland or something. It was. I mean, so when I went to see it Friday, like, not a not a very packed theater. Uh, There was a whole. A whole aisle of dudes in front of me. <laughs> Just dudes wearing, like, warrior hats and stuff like that. Oh, that's I was cool. like, oh, these are, like, bros. Like, the bros came out. And then when the movie ended... Okay, <laughs> spoiler out. alert. Uh, but when the movie ended, they were like, oh, man, I wanted him to live. <laughs> like, they were yeah. all bummed. <laughs> uh, but, uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that mutual death thing is, like, uh, yeah, it's like this is, uh, like, yeah, sorry, your bravado and the, the machismo. It's like, sorry, we're not here to really, like, celebrate that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're both gonna die on It is now. another, <laughs> uh, revenge is a self-destructive journey, uh, story. Like, s- stay on the boat, go with your wife, go make a happy family, and just, <laughs> yeah. just end this horrible revenge shit. But, yeah, I thought it was gorgeous. Gorgeous movie, yeah can't wait for whatever he does next i feel like he (coughs) excuse me like the cinematography was really interesting because there's not there's not a whole lot of close-ups and like i don't don't know like there's a lot of like shots where it feels like the camera is moving very slowly or it is very wide and staging things in a way that is like kind of operatic where you're seeing all of the characters like perform their actions there's this really great shot towards the beginning where the camera is just like sitting on uh like looking out through some trees onto a lake and you see a boat go by and then you see another boat come into frame the camera moves forward over the lake over the boat turns like pans right um you see the boat it starts moving over the boat lands on the boat and then slowly moves into um our main character who's rowing on the boat and lands right in front of him then rotates to see like what the boat is passing and it's this incredible camera movement where it's like how did they do this uh i know it's a like about a 90 million dollar movie so they could afford to do it but it's it's pretty pretty big jump for robert eggers you know yeah, I think that moment definitely sticks out, and when you're explaining this, it's like it helps to sort of remind our listeners, and also just remind us, like movies like um, the Lighthouse and the Witch definitely are more like much more like static shots and close-ups, and just like being really close. Even like some of the biggest emotional beats or biggest scares in the witch are done with like the camera not moving and so here it's like a lot more fluid and i think it's like almost even reminiscent of the revenant a little bit where we're like we're, we have these that, yeah. yeah we have really big set pieces and like there's a lot of stuff going on and i think it, it kind of helps it benefits the production like okay we got fucking a lot of extras here we have a lot of stuff going on let's try to like do this in like a big like sweeping take and i think it kind of works when yeah so when he's going through and then it's like pillaging this village like it looks great but it's just like it's just so savage and brutal it's just like fucking hey like I, like, I want to, my eyes are stuck here and I can't look away, but I notice what's happening. It's just like, these are just atrocious yeah, I want to st- take it all happening. in. <laughs> yeah. It looks so cool. He grabs the spear and he throws it back and they start 
they start howling and shit. Yeah. Like the part, yeah, the part where he is howling to the point where he's convincing the dog to like turn on his master. Just yeah, just, yeah. That was a little like, oh, he can command dogs now. Sure, <laughs> like why not? Hey, I, I, I was I was into that. I, <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate the fact. Like, of that, course, yeah, he can like, do this. <laughs> why why yeah. wouldn't he be able to? Uh, yeah, it's it's eight nine five AD. Because that is, that is an interesting <laughs> thing. Because it it does feel like it is kind of grounded in reality for some points, and all of this like magical magical realism stuff is like. Is this in their head? Is this subjective? Is this Definitely, a yeah, yeah. is this like a representation of like what they're buying into because of their belief system? But then he starts doing stuff like commanding dogs, and you're like, oh no, this is just like a myth. Like this is like a legend uh, that we're being exposed yeah. To. Same with like the crows literally helping him yeah. untie himself. Yeah, and then like the guy, like the shaman, is there. I thought that scene was fucking gorgeous. I was so like, well, I was just like, this is just so. Well, crazy. I think yeah. I think it's supposed to be Odin after he yeah. drops down. Yeah. Yeah, anything else on the Northmen? Uh, I think that's all I have to really say about the Northmen. Uh, anything else you've been watching lately? Yeah, I'm not sure if I've mentioned Winning Time on this show, the HBO show about the, the Lakers oh, yeah. and stars John C. Riley and uh, uh, Adrian Brody. Um, yeah, but I, I know Kevin mentioned this in, like, just uh, our... We were just talking about it one day, and he he's a fan of the show, and I've it's one of the shows where I'd be lying if I say I hadn't been looking forward to the show every Sunday. I, 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 it's just, like, my Sunday night show, like, the drama. I, I, don't, I think I appreciate just having an hour-long drama to watch on Sunday nights. I think it's just because of we've just been indoctrinated with that, just having that be the night of shows like, I don't know, like uh, The Sopranos or Game of Thrones or whatever it may be. Sunday night tends to be the night for the big one-hour dramas. And, and so Winning Time has been that show for me, and it's almost over like i think there's like two or three episodes left and like it's just one of the things where like it's shaky sometimes like there's even some controversy with jerry west he's not really happy with how he's being depicted and there's a quote that came out today or yesterday him saying like i'm gonna take this all the way to the supreme court if i have to because he feel like he's his image is being defamed in some way but i don't know i think when the show is good it's really good john c Riley is having a great time i'm not super crazy about adam mckay but adam mckay directed the first episode it does. It hasn't been as fourth wall breaky as that first episode, and it's shot. Is I think it's visually really interesting, and yeah. Um, when it's focused on the basketball, I think it's really great, and it's almost over. So I'm gonna definitely be sad when it's gone. But also, yeah, like Breaking. Uh, sorry, Better Call Saul is airing on Monday nights, and I totally like Monday night. Just feels like a weird night to sit down, and like I'm usually more active on Mondays for whatever reason. So I don't know. I think I'm more drawn to having my hour-long prestige dramas being on Sunday as opposed yeah. to Monday because I totally put off watching Better Call Saul all the way until today and I'm happy I did do that because I sorry I'm surprised I was able to do that and not get spoiled because a major character gets Ooh, killed okay and I was just like holy shit like I was just on Twitter all willy-nilly and did was it Saul does he get killed <laughs> as a prequel no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <clears throat> But yeah, that, and then um, I finished Elden Ring. Yeah, I finished Elden Ring on Damn. Sunday. And yeah, I, I was talking to you, and you sort of mentioned that you killed a boss, and then you were at a door where you're like, I don't want to pass that yeah. door. And then I realized I was also sort of at that point, and I was like, oh, I'll give myself a week to finish it. And then I sat down and played for like seven hours and just finished it. And all it took you seven hours <laughs> to get through that door? Well, <laughs> oh, okay. No, like, I basically, I sat down, and I was like, this is going to be the last, like, yeah. like if I can get this past that boss... Sitting. 
yeah, once I got past Malekith, I was like, okay, now I'm sort of at the yeah. end, and then it became very easy to sort of just beat all of the subsequent bosses after yeah. that, and I was like, this is the night to do it, I don't want to push it, like, May is coming up, it's been a really fun, solid two months of playing this game, and yeah. It actually, you can, if you're listening to the show, you can actually track my entire <laughs> track the fandom progress. of Elden Ring. Because you introduced me to Elden Ring on this show. I introduced you to, I got you to Demon Souls on this show. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew about Demon Souls. Yeah, that's true. You played it because I was, yeah, yeah I was uh, frustrated a young gamer. But you introduced me to Elden, Elden Ring on the show, and I went from not knowing what it was to pre-ordering it to playing <laughs> it to now it's over, it's uninstalled, yeah. and it's back on yeah, the show. uninstalled. Yeah, I'm back on that FIFA. Okay. <laughs> Gotta get the Galaxy. <laughs> Gotta get my boys to the championship. Boy, yeah, what else? You have anything else you've been watching? Uh, so I watched a couple weeks ago, and I forgot to mention on the show, I watched RRR, which stands yeah. for... What does it stand for? I want to say it's like Rise, Roar, Revolt. Um, I might have the ordering wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it's what it stands for. It's this Indian movie takes place in the 1920s and it is about uh basically revolutionaries resisting in uh the british occupation and it is wild (laughs) um it's not it's not a bollywood movie i've heard it's a tollywood movie i haven't investigated what uh, the difference is i believe it's a regional thing but um it's you know it has the singing and dancing you'd expect from an indian film uh it has the over-the-top action you'd expect every character feels like uh, our heroes at least feel like superheroes uh they're doing impossible things um <laughs> like it's watch the trailer there's a man screaming into the face of a tiger <laughs> in the trailer there is a, a moment in this movie where a man is uh, one of his enemies is driving towards him on a motorcycle. He knocks the man off the motorcycle, kicks the motorcycle up into the air, catches it, and then kills three <laughs> men with it. Um, it is incredible. There's another scene in this movie where one of our heroes is carrying the other hero, uh, one of our other heroes on his shoulders. So oh, we got one man riding another man's shoulders. They're running around punching people in the face. They climb a tower together. Uh, the man on the bottom holds two rifles out like wings. They jump off the tower, screaming. Slow <laughs> motion. Fantastic movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, just That reminds me of, like, the... I think it's uh, Entheron, or there was, like, this one trailer where it's just, like, just insanely over the top, where it's, like, a, a this Indian man is, like, Iron Man. Basically, he just morphs into... Oh, yeah, I think I've seen ...an that. endless bullet machine. But, yeah, it reminds me of that, where it's just just so super this, over the top this kind of reminded me of like eat man where it's like uh this like very uh nationalistic movie uh where yeah. our heroes are doing things that are larger than life in in terms of action uh but with it man it's like feels a little more grounded uh there's there's yeah. wire work and stuff to exaggerate what he's doing uh he's you know taking on a lot of guys without breaking a sweat <laughs> here it's like way way more exaggerated and (laughs) and it is totally sincere there is no comedy to undercut it it's not like one character does a badass thing and then another character says like that was badass it's like no the other character is too busy doing something else badass to acknowledge the first badass thing Um, yeah they're on the same level and, and it's it's all executed so impeccably that 
you're just invited to uh, join in on this this sincere celebratory experience. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it works. It's a three hour long movie. Uh, <laughs> after the first hour and a half, I was like, I think I'm good. <laughs> but uh, I stuck around. I watched the rest of it. Um, yeah, when this if this hits streaming, I know Netflix has been picking up a lot of Indian movies. So maybe this will hit Netflix. Uh, they have some other movies from that are the same director. I skimmed through one of them. It didn't look like it was nearly as heightened uh, as as RRR. But um, yeah, if it, if it makes its way to streaming, highly recommend checking it out. Nice. And then, uh, and I think that's yeah, that's it for me. Um, it is my pick next week. Okay. Know, do you ha- do you know when they're going to announce it? Not to drop it. So we so having watched the Great Muppet Caper, and being ex to Charles Grodin I thought maybe I would pick another Charles Grodin movie that I grew up with as a child okay uh, it is a movie that was uh, critically panned <laughs> and uh, but I think there's enough weird freaks out there like me that has kind of solidified itself as a cult classic now it is 1994's Clifford where Martin Short oh. plays a 10 year old boy <laughs> um, Huh. So yeah, next week, stay tuned for Clifford. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or movie suggestions, please let us know. I don't think anything's going to change. Yeah, I'm not going to change. I'm just going to... Just cut. I'm just gonna cut all that out. <laughs> yeah, if you like, tweet at us. Tweet at us at Vaguezone. Let us know what you're watching. Um... Yeah, this has been episode 83 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. Oh, peace.